Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. You can go ahead and have a seat today. You know, in Luke 12, Jesus said, let your waist be girded and your lights be shining. Today, I want to talk to you about the midnight cry. And you know, it's so easy for Christianity to come about us in life and us to get born again and totally excited. Can we tell everybody about it? Until someone comes along and says, the excitement's going to die. It's going to be okay. You're, you're a little too um, exuberant. We've all been there, right? You, you need to settle it down. I'll never forget. You know, I don't know how to do life not passionate. For those of you who don't know me well, you will always get this. I am not really that sorry. Um, but I've always been passionate. You know, playing ball to the extreme. In the gym to the extreme. Partying to the extreme. Jesus. Oh, yeah. To the extreme. And so I got born again, and, you know, I was taught all this spirit stuff was, was of the devil, and why it was of the devil. But then the extreme happened. I had a heart for prison ministry. I ended up in the state penitentiary, not as an inmate. <laughs> and I can remember walking in that gym, and the... Um, uh, the inmates were coming in, and we formed a line, and we were high-fiving them for coming to church, you know, and we're having a blast, and I've been playing ball all day in the courtyard with these women, and I was exhausted, and so I go to sit down on the side, just overwhelmed by the whole experience. You know, I thought I was going to be scared to death all day. Well, I walked in and saw the most beautiful grounds. I mean, I fell in love with that place before I even met one woman. I mean, you take me to a jailhouse, I'm a happy girl. But I was so exhausted, and I remember sitting on the side and looking up and seeing, physically seeing the glory cloud and thought, now this is Bible, and I'm living it. Whoa. And I just began to weep and cry, and I wept through the whole service. And then they do an altar call. I had never heard of an altar call. But I knew I was supposed to work it because the Lord told me to. How do you work an altar, Lord? I have no idea. But whatever they tell me to do, I'm going to do. And next thing you know, I find myself praying for people at the altar. And next thing you know, I've had enough. I don't have anything else to give. I am overwhelmed again. I go to sit down. Y'all get the theme here. We, we don't have enough. And I go to sit down on that stage. And then this little precious old lady, you know, and they, they had told us, women don't go to jail for just anything. When they sentence a woman in prison, she done did something wrong wrong because they don't want to take them away from their families and those babies. They realize need for them to be home. So when they get sentenced, that little old lady had to have been there for a long time. And my heart broke for all the things she'd missed in life because of the depravity within her. And I remember reaching out my hand to just say, God, help her. Just help her. Tongue started coming out. My eyes got bigger than watermelons. I tried to shut myself up. I thought, what is, I am one of them. 
That kept happening all weekend long. I wouldn't talk to anybody. I was scared what was going to come out. Every time I prayed for people, I'm like, oh my God, I'm one of them. <laughs> then I go home and I'm in the mirror and I'm trying to make it happen. For two years, I try to make it happen. Can't make it happen. It's all about Jesus. But then I find myself in a church that's Bible-believing and Spirit-filled. Truth in the Spirit, kiss. And all of a sudden, I'm experiencing once again what I experienced in that prison. And not only am I experiencing it, but I'm being taught in the Word how it is the Spirit of God. It is the Bible kind of life. Could you about imagine how passionate I got? <laughs> Let me tell you about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, you're on drugs. It's okay. He can set you free. I mean, like you, you name it, I was going for it. Grew up Catholic. My brother's a Baptist preacher. Here you got me. Jesus is in all of it. But you know, that Catholic upbringing, people, you know, and I find myself on staff at a church and people would ask my mom and then what I did and they were kind of embarrassed to say anything. So what they would say is, oh, she works at the church, like in the office, kind of how so-and-so does. <laughs> now she's fully, that she sees the God in us and has experienced our ministry. But it was a funny time. So this woman that knew me since I was a baby couldn't wait for me to come in town. And she finally just said, I've seen all that. Because, you know, Catholics pray in tongue, too. She said, I've seen all that. She says, don't worry. Eventually, you're going to get over yourself, and you're just going to learn how to live. And I just remember looking at her and, and saying, I feel so sorry for you. Because I don't believe that's how God created my Christianity to be. Yeah. If I'm going to enjoy him for all of eternity and all of his fullness, why would he excite me just to depress me? Yeah. Thinking that my best days are behind me and the most of what I can experience in him is behind me. No, I think the best is yet to come. Yeah. The best will always be yet to come. And so when Jesus said that we need to be girded, and that our lights need to be shining. That's for all our days. Yeah. That, that it's not just learn the Bible and JBQ and be done with it. Go to a couple of discipleship classes when I'm newly born again and be done with it. It's that I'm going to be girded in spirit and truth all the days of my life. That I'm going to become a student of the word of God. Why is Vicki in Bible college? Why is Lester in Bible college? He's, he'll tell you he has spent the past 30 years in the word. Because there's always more for us to understand. The spirit, the word of God is living. It's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces. Pierces. It divides. We're to be a student of the word that the revelation of God can come all the days of our life. We're to have our lamps constantly burning, filled with the Holy Ghost and power. It's not something that just happens. To be in shape, is it something, can you just eat your Oreos and potato chips and never go on a walk? No, you got to get up and get moving. Eat your greens. Eat those greens, people. Get rid of that fried food. All the more, our Christianity, 
Are we going to grow in righteousness and strength by never attending Bible study, by never opening the word? Are we going to become prayer warriors by thinking about how much time we should be praying for the situation? Right? It happens because we put one foot in front of the other. And look, pastor said it last week. Don't go try to read 15 chapters if you're not even in the book. Just go read one line. Just start, baby step. Today, I acknowledged the Lord when I woke up and did not curse the day. Blessed be the Lord. Today, I, I opened the Bible. I opened the Bible, and I read, and I didn't understand it. But I read it, and I'm going to read it again tonight. Today, I actually prayed and blessed my food in a restaurant. Baby step after baby step. Amen? So the goal of today is that we'd find each of us in a closer walk with God. Well, little girl, I've been saved longer than you've been born. Blessed be the Lord. Good for you. We can all find ourselves walking in closer intimacy. R.T. Kendall says of the midnight cry, that the cry will bring about a sudden and effectual awakening of the church. How many of you know the church needs to be awakened? Resulting in the restoration of the fear of God in the church and in the world. The fear of God, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God. You know, that was one of the first studies I ever did as a baby Christian. Why should I fear God? Have you ever been in his presence and had a reality of his holiness come upon you? The fear of God comes upon us not because he's this big bad God in the sky who's got a stick ready to beat us. The fear of God comes upon us when we begin to look up and we begin to see his holiness. That there is no evil upon him, but he is righteous in every way. He is all loving, all knowing, all powerful, almighty God, yet he loves us. He has to have justice. He has to have justice, but he's full of mercy. And we begin to see that beauty. We cannot help but be fearful because we understand as we see his holiness how ugly and depraved each one of us is. You see, a righteous, a self-righteous and proud Christian doesn't make sense to me because as a Christian, it means that I am a follower of Christ. I have put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I have put him on, then I know who he is. And if I know who he is, is and I see him in all his righteousness. I see him and his blood shed for me. I see what he's gone through for me and I see my depravity. I can't be self-righteous when I see Christ because of all that he is and all that I lack. All that I lack. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. The beginning. The beginning of knowledge. Not the end. It's not an I've arrived thing. It's the beginning. Because then I realize I've got to stop. I've got to stop living how I used to live. I've got to get in the Word. I've got to begin to let my mind become the mind of Christ. I've got to begin to put on Jesus. I've got to begin to be washed in His presence, washed in His Word, carried away from my filthiness. Do you have the fear of the Lord? Is it something that's a reality in your life, or is it just, bless the Lord, brother? Been doing this for a long time, and... Just waiting to go home. Jesus will call me one day. What? Look, I get. I had this guy tell me one time. As a new Christian, 
He wanted to date me, and I didn't date. Like, I've been there, done that. I'm not dating until Jesus says, that. here you go, sister. And I'll never forget, he tried so hard for so long. And he would tell me, look, you got to stop reading them books. you got to stop going to those conferences. you got to get out of that. Look, everything that you learn, you're going to be accountable for. you got to stop that. And I'm like, brother, you are weird. Because I want Jesus. Do you know who I was? Have you, do you remember my testimony? I need Jesus. And I, he kept pursuing me. And I'll never forget the day. He said, you know what? I think I figured it out. You're the kind of person that will take life by the reins, and you're going to ride it for all that it is. And I'm the kind of person that's going to watch people like you. And you know what broke my heart? That Jesus said, he finds it in John 10, 10, that I've come to give you life and life abundant. There's nothing different from me and that man. We both were born again, had the blood of Christ covering us. And he didn't come so you can watch other people live more passionately. He came to give you and I life and life abundant. What kind of life is that? The God kind of life. The life that is beyond anything you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. Does that mean we're going to all drive Mercedes Benz? No, but if he does give you one, take me for a ride. That means he's going to give you a life beyond your wildest dreams. Will you have trials? Will you have difficulties? Absolutely. Remember, we live in a fallen, depraved world. But he will give you the supernatural ability to live beyond anything you could ever do on your own. He's called to give you life and life abundant. Are you living it? Do you have that fear of God in you? That, that midnight cry is coming for the church. When I, when I see a church awakened, that they're not waiting, not waiting for the pastors, not waiting for the fivefold to do the work. Well, if you do more, have you tried to lay your life down for your spouse yet? For your kids? For your neighbor? For your boss? Because until you do, you can't begin to tell someone else to do more or the way that they should do it better. Because when we begin to live a life that we lay our lives down for someone else, we no longer can condemn someone for not doing it how we think it should be done because we understand the cost. We understand the cost. We understand the cost of loving someone else into salvation. The cost of walking someone through a horrible dark season so that they might see Christ. A church that's awakened to the fear of God. This will be the consequence of the coming of the Holy Spirit and ever-increasing power. I don't like that Holy Ghost. Good. <laughs> the Holy Ghost will come as he's been doing in an ever-increasing measure, shaking up everything we've known. Jesus orchestrates the Holy Spirit from the right hand of God. Remember John the Baptist came with a twofold message, repent, and there's one coming that will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Jesus ever lives at the throne of God making intercession for us and baptizing us with the Holy Ghost and fire.
The, Holy, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the very present ministry of Jesus Christ. He orchestrates the move. He deposits it. It's him. This will restore the word and the spirit to the level in its earliest days of the church. This will prepare the bride of Christ for his coming. I don't want to live forgetting about the second coming of Christ. And I don't want to live not expecting, expecting the next move of the Holy Ghost. You know, I think of the Welsh Revival. The Welsh Revival happened as a result of a young 20-something-year-old guy who was tired of church as it was and found himself praying, earnestly praying for the move of God to come. And he found himself praying a prayer, Lord, bend me. Today's prayer would be, Lord, break me. Lord, break me. Meaning, Lord, whatever it is that you want to do, I give you full and absolute permission. And it was more than just a head prayer. It was more than just a feel-good prayer. It was the kind of prayer that burns from the deepest parts of your being because it's birthed in the throne room of Christ. And in that place, he found himself utterly broken and a move of the Spirit starting where it looked like really none other. Singing and singing in tongues. He was known for not even coming in for hours after the service would start. He was known for hiding behind the pulpit. He was known for not preparing any messages because it wasn't his service to be had anyway. If the Holy Spirit were to come in increasing power today, would you be ready? Would I be ready? Matthew 25, 1 says that the kingdom of heaven shall be like ten virgins who took their lamps out and went to meet the bridegroom. Psalm 119, 105 says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 1 Samuel 16, 13 says that Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him from the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came on David from that day forward. Let's take a look at the parable of the ten virgins. As we get ready to read it, do you want to put up that bullet point? Yes. So as we go to read this parable of the ten virgins, here's your shorthand to help understand it better as we're going to look at it today. The bridegroom is Jesus. <clears throat> the ten virgins is part of the church, generally speaking. The wise virgins are the Christians who pursue the word and the spirit. The foolish versions are Christians who do not pursue the word and spirit. The lamp is the word of God. The oil is the Holy Ghost. Asleep. It's the spiritual condition of the church in the last days. Midnight is the middle of the night when the church is in a deep sleep. That's it. The wedding banquet is the celebration of the bride making herself ready. The midnight cry is the wake-up call to the church that Jesus is coming soon. And messengers is the Christians who cry out in the middle of the night. All the virgins waking is the church waking up. Coming of the bridegroom is the second coming. First is the spiritual awakening and second is the physical coming of Christ. And then the last one is that when the door is shut, it's too late for repentance. 
So let's take a look at that. Matthew 25, we'll start in verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps with no oil with them. But the wise took oils in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Nope, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go, rather, to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And really, there's so many lessons. There's so many different ways we could go about this. But I want to look at it to the church at large in a prophetic way. And really, we're waiting for that midnight cry. The church at large has been asleep for a long time. There hasn't been a move of God in many a year, and it's sad. It's sad that the millennial generation, I won't use that word a lot, trust me, that the millennial generation hasn't seen the move of God. It's something that's talked about, something that they know their parents have experienced, but to actually see and, and, and experience a manifest movement of God. I'm, look, he's alive. The church is at hand. I mean, and we're here. Hello, we're here on a Sunday morning, and we're having a Holy Ghost time. But a spiritual awakening this generation hasn't seen. I want to see it in my day. I want my kids to experience it. I want you to experience it. The church is asleep, but the bridegroom's coming. You know, when you look at this in the time that it was written, when, it would, when the wedding time would come, often it would be a, a, a week long of celebration. <clears throat> and what would happen is the bride, the bridegroom would come for the bride at a day and time that she didn't know to take her from her family's home to his home. And so at the time of preparation for the wedding, the bride would have her friends, her bridemaids come and they would be with her, helping to prepare her for her bridegroom. Isn't that precious? And they never knew when it would come. And of course, we all know how men like to just catch us without our makeup. They would often come in the middle of the night to come and get them. And so what you'd see here is, is, is a picture of a bride, you know, all giddy, get, giddy, giddy, with her friends, the virgins, and they're all waiting, knowing that he's coming. You know, have you ever been in a fast sleep when you hear your newborn cry? Y'all know what I'm talking about, and you're like, what? Or I'll never forget when Jen and I were still living in New Orleans and roommates, there was a season we had a stalker. It was really bad. Stalker season's over. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And there was a storm that night, and it blew our back door open. So the alarm goes off, middle of the night. We both were like, ah! You know what I'm about? <laughs> get the knife, get the gun, oh my God. 
as you're going down the stairs, you're like, I'm one of those people in the horror movies going down. Why am I not calling the cops? But the midnight cry, the bridegroom would come in the middle of the night and, and, the, and the virgins would have to go and, and awake the bride. Say, so the bridegroom's coming, the bridegroom's coming. And there was a time, there was, a, there, was a, there was an awakening that would happen in preparation for his arrival. Notice it doesn't say he's here, he's coming. So there will be a great spiritual awakening that we will see prior to the second physical coming of Christ. Those virgins, it doesn't say that some were born again and some were not. It says that they all came and they all had some oil, right? They all had the Holy Ghost. They all were born again, but some of them found themselves just barely saved. Meaning, I'm born again, I'm covered by the blood, and that's enough, I'll just wait. You ever met a Christian like that? Who did I, was I talking to this week? Oh, I remember who I was talking to, and they, they had this new job, and these co-workers say, you know, I never hear you swearing. And her response was, well, I'm a Christian, and so that's really not a part of my life. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know other Christians, and they all curse. What a sad example this generation has been to the world around us. There's a second coming of Christ. And before he comes, there will be a great awakening in this church. Will you hear the cry? Will you hear the cry? Will you be girded in truth? Girded with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And will you still have oil in your lamp. Will you coast along expecting, you know, if they'd preach a better message, I'd have something to chew on during the week. Oh, my word, take notes and go study. Get the podcast. Oh, Shonda Ramacito. You know, the other day I was um, with Jonathan, and Zoe loves to hear stories about when she was a baby. I have a three-month-old and a three-year-old, and... Um, so I was talking to Jonathan and Zoe about when Zoe was that baby and talked about how I sang in the Holy Ghost all the time. And Zach stopped and he goes, you really did. You, that's all I ever heard her first year of life was you singing in the Holy And I got totally convicted because I talked to him about Jesus and tell him stories. But I'm not. And I just began to repent that I want to have a Holy Ghost-filled house, a Holy Ghost-filled life, that I've got oil in my lamps. I've got oil in my lamps, and my kids have oil because I've begun to live a life of the Holy Ghost and the Word. Amen? So the Word in Psalm 119, 105, the, the Word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. The oil we already read about in 1 Samuel, when he anointed him with oil, he was anointed for life. From that moment on, the Holy Spirit went with him. From that moment on, the Holy Spirit goes with us. The virgins had the word, but they also were pursuing the Spirit, pursuing the Holy Ghost. Paul says that we're to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Have you forgotten 
We're to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. You know, I had someone, we, we flow in the Holy Ghost all the time over here. I actually had someone tell me that they were, gonna, they were going to another church because we didn't have enough prophecy and things going on here of the Spirit. And I thought, where, where have you been? Well, I have not been in a church service at Celebration since 2014. What? Has it really been 2014? Oh, my word. The Holy Ghost hasn't been there moving. Have, have your eyes been awoken to who he is, or does it have to fit in your own game plan? You know, Grace, at some point in the past six months, all of a sudden a new anointing's coming over her, and she prophesies over you. Do you realize that? Or, ooh, is your lamp your oil dried up and you can no longer see the moving of the Holy Ghost. Because you see, I remember when that little Baptist girl got baptized in the Holy Ghost and I ended up at Victor Fellowship and I remember whenever all of a sudden I was like, Pastor Frank just gave a tongue and interpretation. So we go home that day and I have friends over, you know, because they have to teach me all about this, these things. And I said, y'all, did y'all know that today he gave a tongue and interpretation? And they were like, yeah, he kind of does that all the time. I was like, oh, man, I guess I'm just growing up. Oh. And I realized that the Spirit had been moving in ways this whole time. But I was a, such a babe, I couldn't see. Paul says we're to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. We're to earnestly desire, not make them up. Look, before I moved here, I had this guy come in. He was, he was an on-fire guy, total street evangelist, awesome kid. And he wanted so bad to be used to God. How many of you know, he'll use you right where you are, but there's got to be days of training. Yeah. Are you all following with me today? So this guy decides to go to this training in another church, and we're like, okay, here you go, brother, whatever. You know, at some point, they're going to do what they want to do. So he goes, gets trained, and he comes back, and he starts teaching our young people. I got real, look, I got girded that day. Starts teaching our young people how to read the auras. And if I read your aura... I can go evangelize to you. Let me tell you, that's witchcraft, and it ain't of Jesus. You got it? It ain't of Jesus. I don't need to read your aura. All I need to do is welcome the Holy Ghost in and to walk with him, to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, and all of a sudden, he'll begin to speak to me, and if he shows me purple, then I'm going to ask him, Lord, where is the Holy Ghost? Where is the Spirit of Truth? And next thing you know, he's going to begin to remind me that we're clothed, that we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and we're called out. We're not of the world. We just live in it. So I'm not going to prophesy some purple thing over you. I'm going to begin to give you the word of God. The two have to kiss. There will come a great awakening in the church where we have the word of God in us, ready to go. So when the spirit moves, all of a sudden he has a tool to use and allow us to operate in this world. Are you pursuing the Holy Ghost? Because you see, every time I'm up in this place, every time I wake, awaken my eyes, no matter where I'm at, he's a moving. Am I listening? Are you listening? Are you ready? You know, Wednesday night, we had a precious Holy Ghost time. It's always a Holy Ghost time up in here. It was awesome. He starts giving me a prophetic word. We take people on this journey. We take people, he, it's this broken word. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, this place, you could hear a pin. I mean, you could hear a mouse running if we had them. It was precious. And as I go to begin to teach the message I already had written, he says, no, 
at what just happened. Because it's time for us as a people to begin to walk out what we experience and we learn out those doors. So we began to teach how to walk in truth, how to expose the lies of the enemy, and how to begin to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in victory. How many of you know that's a good word? But if you won't open yourself to the Holy Ghost, you have no idea how he's working in your life. All of a sudden, it's a works mentality instead of a spirit-filled life. Those wise virgins had the word, and they pursued the spirit. They pursued the very presence of God. How are you doing on that today? They had their light, but they took sufficient oil with them. The foolish virgins had the word, and they took no oil. Have you ever had a conversation with another believer, and you know they're born again, and you walk away completely dumbfounded because they have so much word in them, but there is no life behind it, and your heart breaks because you can't even infiltrate their mind that's so closed off because their own interpretation of the word, which is an absolute error, I mean, you just, you just walk away weeping. You know what I'm talking about. That's the foolish version. You can get all the head knowledge you want, but without the Spirit of God, the breath of God breathing it in, it's just knowledge. Ugh. Their lamps were burning at first. They were born again, but their lamps had gone out. They were barely just saved. Wasn't that depressing? Now, don't get me wrong. Look, you're saved, you're saved. Hallelujah, we're going to heaven. But I'm, if it was just about that, we'd be the thief on the cross. Right? This day you'll be with me in paradise. But he's not taken us yet. He's not taken you. You, you. you all have breath in your lungs, right? There's more. There's more for us. So y'all doing okay? So I'm going to, I told Mandy earlier, I could probably preach for four weeks straight on this to get to all my notes. So I had to figure out, what am I going to skip through? This was my, just my introduction. <laughs> but y'all know, the life, this is the life of the Christian. This is the life we, we, we try to live before you every day. But I'm telling you, the second coming of Christ will be here before we know it. And I know they've said it for 2,000 years, but for 2,000 years, people, his people have lived like it. I can remember being born again and hearing about the second coming and listening to whatever that Christian band was. And um, I can remember that this horn thing went off, and then there was something that happened in the sky, which I live by the airport, so why would I think it was an airplane? And I can remember I was getting dressed, put my makeup on, and I ran out of my bathroom because I thought it was coming. I thought he was coming. I, and I'm serious, like genuinely precious little Heather, you know? Ah, I don't want to miss it! And you run outside, and it's really like a jet fighter or something, you know? <laughs> but I was ready. Lord, let me be that ready. Let me be that ready. You know, or whenever you're expecting that package in the mail, you know, everybody does Amazon Prime these days. When you're expecting that package and you're watching the tracking, oh, here it is. Oh, here it is. It arrived in Cleveland. Hallelujah. 
Ooh, it arrived in Akron. It's at the Akron facility. It is out for delivery, right? And you know that you've got a sign for it, and so you are waiting by the door. You won't even go to the other side of your house. You're like, in the front room, I will find something to clean or do, but I will get that package. Ding, 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 ding. You're already opening the door. How you doing, brother? I will sign right here. Is that our expectancy, come on, for the second coming? And not just of Christ coming back physically for his church, but is that our expectancy for the second coming, the next great awakening that the church will see? Do we have an expectancy for the midnight cry when the church is asleep in a slumber, which let's face it, it's asleep. Seeker-friendly churches? Oh, my word, churches that won't allow the presence and power of God? That's a country club. The church is asleep, but there's coming a cry. There's coming a day. There's coming a time where the Holy Ghost is going to be poured out in all its power. We're going to see the church awakened. Are we going to be ready? Are we going to be there? Are we going to be a part of it? Or are we going to be the ones that are sleeping saying, you know, they're just in the flesh over there. Oh, my word. Ever since the day of John the Baptist, the whole the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Let me tell you, there is not a person that's ever breathed that could ever convince me that the Holy Ghost and fire doesn't exist. That could ever convince me that my doctrine and theology is wrong. Why? Because I've experienced too much and I'm not going back and I'm going to be that little girl sitting by that door waiting for the Holy Ghost and fire, waiting for the next great awakening in the church that I would not have to be on my knees begging for souls because they'd be pouring in. I'd be begging for workers. I'd be watching workers raise up other workers that raise up other workers that raise up other workers that the walls would be getting blown out of the church because we've got to expand. Come on. Are you waiting by the door for Jesus to come? For him to pour out his spirit? I'm ready. What is it going to look like? I don't know. What's it going to cost me? Everything. Everything. But I've already. Already surrendered all. I've already surrendered all. There was a time when. Zach and I were dating, and I can remember at another church, and this part of the altar I am during worship, and it was that song, Holy Surrender. You know what I'm talking about? I have no idea. Any, I'm not music. I just like to music people. So this particular part, it says Holy Surrender, and I remember just melting into his presence, and the Lord began to minister to me that I was going to have to wholly surrender to Zach as his bride. The twitching started. (laughs) But I had just melted into the sweet presence of Jesus. So eventually I melted into that. But why did I twitch? (laughs) Because I knew that it wasn't just a one-time surrender but that time after time and season after season, 
that as God calls me higher, that my husband's expectations would also call me higher. And the times when I find myself, well, I'm feisty, man. And I find myself, you know, putting my heels in the ground. Well, it reminds me of that moment. And I realize God's calling me higher. He's used my, my husband to hedge me in. He's used my husband to, to be the picture of Christ coming for me. What is that picture in your life? What's that thing that God uses in your life to keep calling you closer and closer? Because you see, when, when, when that moment is sealed, you know, when, when our salvation is sealed and we know we're never going back, right? That's an awakening in our life. But then there comes another awakening when we're baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. There comes another awakening as, as we, you, you hear what I'm saying? And we surrender. It's awakening after awakening. When has he awakened you last? When has he taken that awakening and stirred it up fresh and new? And that we allowed it to stay burning, bright, and shining. You know how I can usually tell with me? My checkbook. That's why every year we preach tithes and offerings week after week because it's a guarantee thermometer in our Christianity. My checkbook tells all and my heart. Am I offended with God? Am I offended with man? Because you see, even though I look all sweet and nice all the time, people do, done do me wrong. And I done do people wrong. Oh, I don't, I really try not to, but even in our best foot forward we hurt people but people hurt me too but if I allow myself to have the right to be hurt then I give the devil a foothold to let my oil go out so when I find myself offended I have to acknowledge it and I have to wholly surrender whether I'm offended with my husband or I'm offended with you not that I would be, right? Band, why don't you guys go ahead and come back up? So I ask, are you ready for God? Matthew 24 says, watch therefore, for you do not know the hour that your Lord will come. You know, Zechariah we find him, you know, the Lord's promised him a son. And when the Lord finally comes to tell him that Elizabeth is pregnant, that she's with child, Zachariah had been praying for offspring, right? He had been praying and believing. But when his time had come, he had given up and he didn't believe. He laughed and he chuckled. <laughs> sure, God. And what happened? He became dumbfounded. That would be an unwise virgin, right? He had given up hope. He had lost his expectancy. Second Peter says that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. 1 Thessalonians says, For you know perfectly that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Revelation 16, Jesus says, Look, I am coming as a thief. 
Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment on, lest he walk naked and his shame be exposed. He's coming and he's coming quickly. Would you stand with me? Why don't you close your eyes? Bow your heads. If you have the freedom to do so, why don't you raise your hands? And just breathe in deeply. The very presence of God today. Do you feel his peace? The warmth of his loving kindness and all of his mercy pouring out his loving kindness on you today. Church, he's coming. He's coming back for a bride, bride that's ready, that's ready, that's expectantly waiting, that doesn't lose hope, but is expectantly waiting for him. What has he been revealing to you today? What has he been speaking to your heart? Is there a fire burning deep within you, deep within you, carrying the very oil, the very spirit of God wherever you go? Or do you find yourself come Tuesday empty and weak? Are you waiting expectantly at the door for the knock to come? Or are you busy acquiring things? What is he speaking today? Because you know, he is singing a song. Zephaniah says he sings over us. He's singing a song over you today. Can you hear it? He's singing over you today. Can you hear his song for you? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.